Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of ShuttlePod at the Disco. This is our final at the Disco episode for season two of Star Trek Discovery, um, and this is episode 15, uh, which is... We talked about the finale last week, um, and now we're back again to talk about the season as a whole, just like we did for season one. We're going to take a look back at season two, um, you know, talk about what it was set up to do, what it eventually did, uh, how the show evolved this season, and, and you know, how well it worked. Um, I'm your host, Kayla Yakovino, and I am joined by my good friends, Lori Ulster. Hello. Brian Drew. Hey, everybody. Matt Wright. Hey, guys. And Jared Whitley. Hello, everyone. So, yeah, like I said, today we're going to do our look back uh, at season two. And, uh, you know, I don't, for the first time in 14 weeks, I don't have an episode synopsis to, to throw to <laughs> you guys. <laughs> so, uh, you know, instead, maybe we'll just start it off with our um, general sort of going around and saying our general reactions this time to the whole season. So... What did you guys think about Discovery Season 2? Why don't we start with you, Lori? All right. I, I have to preface it by saying that this season has been very different for me from last season. Last season, I was working on After Trek. And so I was digging in every week. I was seeing rough cuts. I was seeing scripts. I was talking to writers to find out what their thinking was. So this was my first time seeing it really as a viewer only. Mm. which was interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and my overall reaction is that I thought it started out pretty strong. I really liked a lot of what they were doing at the beginning. And by the end of the season, I was getting frustrated as a lot of my favorite characters were being, you know, put in the back burner and the story started to get a little out of control and there were things that weren't connecting and didn't make sense. And so there's always some sort of enjoyable scenes along the way. But overall, I have to say by the end of the season, I was disappointed, but I enjoyed the beginning of it a lot. Nice. How about you, Brian? Yeah, I can't say it much better than Laurie said it. I think the first couple of hours of the season were its strongest. I think a lot of people seem to really enjoy episode two. Mm -hmm. And yeah, as it got progressively deeper into the season, particularly after the showrunner change, I think I get, there was simply too many plot dangling plot threads that had to be serviced. Mm -hmm. Some were, some weren't. Characters got lost in the shuffle. It just, it got increasingly messy as it went along. So... Yeah, so like I said, I I largely agree with, with Laurie's assessment. How about you, Jared? Okay, so the thing that I compare Discovery Season 2 to is Spider-Man 3. Uh, I didn't... <laughs> I, oh, no, stay with me, stay with me. I didn't enjoy it, but there were a couple moments that grabbed me, and I think grabbed other people too. thing about Spider-Man 3, it, no one loves that movie, but there are a couple moments in the theater where everyone gasped. Like, there's a scene where Peter's uh, swinging through New York... And the goblin comes and hits him, and this wedding ring that he's going to give to MJ goes flying out of his pocket, and he tries to grab it, and he almost misses, right? And everyone gasped at that because we feel so emotionally invested there. Uh, and even though no one liked the movie, like there was that and a couple other moments that stuck with people. Like the scene when the Sandman gets transformed. Everybody thought that was a beautifully animated scene. Anyway, so Discovery, I, ha I have some problems with, with the, everything, 
but there were still a couple moments that evoked reactions from me. Like the scene where Tilly got hit in the shuttle pod and got sent flying. Like I physically sat up in my chair because I was so concerned about her. Hmm. And if they can cause that reaction, then they're doing something right. The mm-hmm. other the other moment was when when they like brought Colbert back to life and he goes to, to like reach through the opening and his arm disappeared. And I thought they were going to do the kind of thing like from the Orpheus myth from Greek mythology where Orpheus goes to get his wife from Hades and he has to, to accompany her out. But if he turns around, she'll disappear. And at the very end, he turns around. I thought they were going to do that too. So if they can cause reactions to me that where I care about these characters, then that's still good, right? And this mm. shows that they're doing something right, even if yeah. on the whole, I'm still... Uh, not as excited about it. Does that make sense? But sure. By totally. the way, your the, the the two moments you just called out are from the first half of the season. There we go. There we so, go. So so yeah. I think we have a trend here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad to provide anecdotal support. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about you, Matt? Uh, yeah, it's hard, hard to to really top what everyone else has said, but I'll just agree that it was very mixed. I think I think we were all really happy with the start, especially the first couple episodes. Seemed really encouraging. Um, I kind of, you know, rode the wave up and down for a while and liked a lot of it, at least to some degree. Um, I enjoyed all the way probably till about the Telosian episode, which I actually really liked and I thought did a pretty good job connecting things. And then it just, like Brian said, I, they they just lost all these threads and they just had to juggle them all. And it became really obvious that they're going to juggle some, they're going to drop some, they're just kind of, you know, whatever. And that's too bad, you know, that's that's too bad. Hmm. So, yeah, I guess I'm going to jump on the agreement train here um, <laughs> and echo what everyone else has said in that I couldn't say it as well as the previous person. Uh, but no, I agree with all of you guys. And I thought um, particularly what, what Lori said about being frustrated towards the end, I think speaks yeah. to um, Jared's point about how there there were a lot of these really key moments that made us care about the characters so they they built these characters up to be these people we cared about some of that's carried over from season one but i think they did plenty of that in season two as well um and so the the fact you know if this if it were just a show that all of a sudden just was good and then got bad you know we might if you know if the show was just not a good show we we wouldn't be frustrated by it we just wouldn't care but the fact that they built these characters and then we were not happy with where they ended up going or how they ended up being used, I guess, um, mm-hmm. I think just like, again, leads credence to like how well they have done with some aspects of the show. So in that way, like the fact that fans, you know, a lot of people are saying they're frustrated and using that kind of sentiment, you know, is, there's a silver lining to the hat because <laughs> you're not frustrated about something you don't care about, right? Right. Well, you just turn it off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think it, I think it really speaks volumes that they did a really good job making these new original characters, even back you know back in season one and two and started of two, that we really like their original characters. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's what happens later <laughs> as the season goes on. Right. You know, and yeah. a lot of these characters, of course, are from season two. So like Pike has been a huge fan favorite. Everybody loves Anson Mao as Captain Pike. And, you know, that's all season two. So, yeah, having told that story and do- doing that well is a, it was a challenge and they seem to have succeeded. So. 
Although, in a way, you could almost argue that he's a new character because what we knew about right. him was very so small and we'd barely, like, if you, you got to keep the movies out of it for this, for the mm-hmm. purposes of this. Mm-hmm. But we saw very little of him. So they had a lot that they could just do themselves and they did a really great job creating, Completely. really creating right. that character. Right. And so, again, ori- original or semi original character that they got to flesh out. See? Yeah, it's, I totally agree. Yeah, it, it's great. Yeah. All right, so I think a, a good way to sort of break down or look back at the season is to talk about a lot of overarching things, big plot points. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those things, obviously, is the theme of the show. Um, and, yes. And I think it'll be nice to do sort of what we did last season where we give this a pers- little bit of a perspective on screen and off screen, um, starting with sort of how this, the, the season was pitched to us and how it was... Yeah. You know, yeah. how, how what the showrunners were saying it was going to be and what it was um, and then what it evolved into. I think that, that we did that for last season. And I think it was a really nice way to kind of look back yeah. at the whole picture. So. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Why don't we talk a bit about the themes of Star Trek Discovery season two as they were sort of stated from the beginning. So, yeah. The first and the biggest one that was repeated quite a lot is this whole science versus faith thing, mm-hmm. which I can't remember which is, who said that yeah. first. Har- Aaron Harvey was it Aaron? Okay, He's, he started yeah. talking. He started talking about that on After Track, even as season one was wrapping up. He had this yep. idea for season two, this grand idea, whatever that means, right? Whatever science versus faith meant, he was telling us he had this grand idea for season two. And yeah, I always like to couch that that's someone else's words, not mine, because I think just the word versus is so like adversarial. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it, a, it's terrible. A, a false conflict. Yeah, Absolutely. exactly. So I, and, uh, and of course, that's not even how it got you. It didn't even get used in this like, oh, we're pitting them head to head way because that's crazy, right? Like that, no one should do that. So and they didn't. That's not actually how it worked out. So that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, I, we talked about this too with the earlier um, episodes of the podcast for the season that mm-hmm. we're all a little bit wary of that mm-hmm. um, because oh, yeah. that's a hard thing to do well and mm-hmm. no one really Boy, understood yeah. whether that could be done well in this context. Right. right. Uh, also, given that, and I think we mentioned this at the very beginning, Trek has always taken a don't ask, don't tell approach toward religion in the future, right? Sure, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so like on Babylon 5 and on Firefly, they have characters who have stated religious affiliations, Right. Or on Battlestar Galactica, they have the colonials uh, have a polytheistic religion and the Cylons have a monotheistic religion. But Trek has always just sort of ignored that. And the example that I want to decide of that is, as far as I remember, the only instance where they talk about it in TNG, it's on that episode where Silence has least. Do you guys remember this? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, and this is actually a great episode to watch if you just want a Star Trek that's similar to the recent Avengers movie. Because in this episode, an (laughs) all-powerful purple space alien wants to kill half of the crew, right? Uh, That's true. Very on theme. (laughs) And there's this. You know, I was going to write an article about top 10 Star Trek episodes to watch. McGeelan did it first, yo. Yes, he did. The other thing (laughs) is do you guys remember the name of the last episode of Voyager? Where uh, yes. they go back uh, in time to save the day. Yes. Yeah. It's Endgame. Kate so. Mulgrew has a really fun tweet out, actually, about that. Oh, she's like, oh, I, I hear you guys are having an Endgame, you know, like. Uh-huh. Oh, they should have thrown <laughs> I have some there. pointers for you. Yeah, yeah, been there, done that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the notion of titling things Endgame, though, is pretty 
common. Right. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. sure, of course. It's of not. Course, it's yeah. not. It's not yeah. as clever as some other things. Anyway, so the thing in that episode, uh, half the crew's gonna die. Picard starts the uh, uh, self-destruct to kill everyone because he says, "I'm not gonna let you do this to us. Uh, we'll, I'll be the captain of my destiny." And Data, a uh, date Nagilam posing as Data goes in to talk to him, and says, "What do you think happens with life after death?" And Picard says, well, some people think that's just the end. Nothing happens afterwards. This is all we have. And other people think you go on and then everything's perfect. And he says something like, the universe is so is so wondrous, I can't believe that it's either thing that's so simplistic, right? Either of those. So basically, his way, the one way where Captain Picard talks about what he thinks about life after death is to say, is to say that what other things people think is not what he thinks. So even then, he doesn't offer any kind of personal ethos or, mm-hmm. or, or, or philosophy about right. that. Right, so, so it was interesting to see if they were going to finally introduce this into Star Trek, and it seems like they didn't really. No. Right? They, ta- they talked about it a lot, and then they didn't actually do it. They just occasionally would have a character, like Pike mentioned church sometimes. But yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. they, talk, they, they yeah. didn't actually dig into the theme. They just threw some of the words around. Yes. Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. I like, felt like, like the thing wasn't really there, and I have to yeah. say, like they really did explore it on Deep Space Nine pretty well. Yes. Like they mm-hmm. had this militant character who was drip. She had this deep religion and this faith that was such a big part of her. Kira Norris, I'm talking about obviously, who was also this very, you know, she was very interested into science and she was a military officer, and so I thought that they explored all of that really well on that show. Okay, but the thing is, they still say in Deep Space Nine that that in this universe that Gene gave birth to and others, you know, uh, uh, cared for as well, that uh, faith in this future is something alien because the only characters who express religiosity are the non-humans. Yeah, that's like we we never we never hear O'Brien say. Uh, I was raised Irish Catholic, but Keiko is Shinto, and so that's why we got married in a Shinto ceremony. They they never right. it's 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 always portrayed as something alien. Mm. <laughs> like the original series, though, there are overt references sure. yes. to Christianity. Yes, there are. There are, um, particularly in uh, Bread and Circuses. Yeah, at the end of that. Bread one. and Circuses. Uh, who mourns for Adonais? Sure. Yep. 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 Yeah. So it's not, it, but then I think in those days, Gene's moral philosophy was still developing. Yeah, I yeah I agree, and, and I think he maybe had a little bit less individual control over it. I mean, the whole thing with, and they say this on Chaos on the Bridge, like the encounter at Farpoint is Gene's version of heaven, where God comes to judge humanity, and humanity says we don't need you anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, yep. So. So they anyway, I, I think they didn't really look at this the way some other shows have that I think was 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 good. Anyway, my, yeah. my two cents. Sure. So that's like that's what you would have liked to have seen out of that theme. If they're if that's what they're gonna come out and say we're gonna swing for the fences and we're gonna talk about this, then they have to talk about this. Instead they just kinda had right. to quote the Bible every episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and and drop hints that he was a Christian basically sure. once in a while. Sure. And that's about yeah. it. Yeah, that's about yeah. it. Yeah. So we have this quote. <laughs> Do you want to talk about it? Sure. Oh, from Gertzman? Yeah. Well, we should because this is where it ended up. Like, whatever yeah. happened with Aaron Harbors, as as we've talked about, because we didn't even did a whole shuttle pod that we kind of, you know, that we called the showrunner shakeup if you, um, back when this was first happening. But 
that was Aaron, whatever, whatever Aaron Harbert's had in mind by the end of the season where Alex Kurtzman was, you know, co-running it with Michelle Paradise, which is where we ended up in a recent interview. Kurtzman has his spin on what he thought this science versus face thing meant. And it's way less, (laughs) it's way less what it sounds, you know, it sounded like in the beginning. And this is at the end of the season after it's over. Yeah. yeah. So so again, if this got muddled along the way, that makes sense because about halfway through people exited, other people came in and, you know, their influence was, you know, more uh overt. And so this was his idea. Yeah, well, let's um, let's read it and then we'll talk about let's it. Let's read it. So So he says faith was never about picking on religion as much as it was about faith in each other and in themselves. There was a grand design of some kind that is leading them forward. Burnham really wrestled with that, as she was someone who was not raised with faith. She had to decide if she was going to become somebody who could put her faith in some type of design. Ultimately, she's rewarded for her faith by finding out she's the one who sent the signals. If you believe in yourself, ultimately, the best outcome presents itself. So basically, this is every sports movie from the 90s. Right, yeah. Plus some stuff to kind of twist in pretzels about dropping faith it's complete twisting... pretzel twist yeah. that's yeah. the thing is it is total bullshit <laughs> <laughs> thank you brian i brian, was trying to be brian, you know, tell us what you really think <laughs> that is utter bullshit yeah that quote <laughs> well it... well and again see this is that whole picking up the ball and running it with it however they feel like after harvard set it up Wait, which is whatever which is know? fine but then right. don't try but to make it sound don't... like oh this was the plan all along it's like that's no, right. and, and that's it's like the well, when we it. said faith versus science, we didn't mean like religious faith. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we didn't want like to faith pick in yourself. On religion. Faith, hey, you know yeah. what's funny? Oh my God. We, you know what he meant? He meant faith of the heart. Oh, oh. No. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Boom. End Boom. of podcast. Sorry. This is will be. Sorry. Thank you for listening to the Shuttle Pod. <laughs> this was our last episode. Goodbye. <laughs> okay. <anyway. laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And like in other in another interview he did Kurtzman he basically admitted that the, they, he really didn't want to go there with the faith. Mm-hmm. Sure, he didn't want to take religion on directly, so they basically chickened out. Like mm. they, I don't think that's a bad just, idea, honestly. I mean, I don't blame him. I don't. I'm not like I might have chickened out. Sure. So it might have been the wise decision, yeah. right? Yeah, but then then why set up your season to be that? At all? Exactly. I mean, if you come in halfway, let's say, if you were handed this show halfway through season two, would you have still tried to do science versus faith? If it's not uh, something you care about, then how could you, right? Yeah, it's just weird. I mean, yeah. I mean, let's face it; they're not they're not above pivoting. We, season one pivoted completely. Yeah, from your this is true. So I and, mean, and, whatever. And I th- this is the problem with them trying to run before they can crawl is instead of just telling a good episode of science fiction adventure story every week they're having these grand designs where they're they're uh, trying to do something they're not ready to do right right and yeah whereas if they if they were just telling a couple of you know like the short tracks i thought the short tracks were all good they're all very watchable right and mm-hmm. if they would just tried mm-hmm. to do that just baby steps out the door um, then it would be better, and they might set themselves up to do something more ambitious by season three. Instead, they've they've tried two extremely ambitious uh, arcs for, for seasons one and two, and and mm-hmm. it's it's been and it's fumbled each time. 
Well, and of course, okay. it doesn't help that it's highly serialized, and then they've lost showrunners. And, exactly. Right? And sure. writers both seasons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yep. it's like, oh, boy. Yeah. But I would say also part of the problem is that they keep talking in interviews about things that we don't they see do. in the show. And that's to right. me, that's oh, a big right. issue. Okay. Like, if you didn't no. give 25 interviews saying the show was about faith versus religion, we actually wouldn't even have to talk about it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. We just go, hey, yeah. we kind of know it's a theme, but we aren't sure. And like, oh, it's kind of interesting. And then we just would have left it alone. You know? Right. But there, yeah. it wasn't really a theme. And no. so no. the only yeah. reason that we're talking about there it is no because theme at all. they persisted in talking about it. And that's been, yes. you know, I yes. think they hammered the it. more we talk, I think that's been a problem throughout is all the talking about the show instead of actually putting the stuff they're talking about in the show. To- well, totally. And that goes sort of two ways um one is that sort of setting it up for us selling us on this idea and then not delivering yeah sure the other is using the interviews as filler for what didn't get explained well on screen right. and yeah. that's right. another and I, problem i think that's we hit on this mm-hmm. little, a little bit last we week did too, yeah that they that they just they and and um you know that they kurtzman i mean excuse me harberts and berg Used that used After Trek, although we loved After Trek. It's nothing on Lori. Um, Thank they you. used <laughs> we, they used After Trek to fill in a lot of blanks last season too. I mean, well, the I biggest... actually felt like af- it was it was required watching in a way. You know, you really but couldn't it, not watch it. But in a way, I mean, I don't want to go into last season too much. But the big problem was was the Culber story because if there if yeah. there really was this great idea that they were going to get rid of him and then bring him back and have it be meaningful, where's the yes. meaning if we all know that it's going to happen? And it's because yeah. they panicked about they the reaction worried. they were going to get. Yeah. And yeah. you yeah. know, you have to be able to separate those things, and your show has to work if nobody ever reads any interviews or goes on social media. Yeah, because most people yeah. won't. Right. Well, Star Trek fans will. <laughs> no, but but you're right. They shouldn't have to. They, um, they run into the same problem with some of these new Star Wars movies where they say, oh, if you read this book, it makes sense. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, that's not but good. I, but yeah. I, well, anyway. I should, yeah, I mean, yeah. this, happened when the, this happened when The Force Awakens came out, too, because there's, there's holes in that script, too. And then yeah. the following two weeks after the movie came out, J.J. Abrams had to do a series of interviews to explain certain things because they weren't in the script where they were supposed to be. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Don't give me mm-hmm. homework to watch a movie. <laughs> well said. <laughs> That's why I'm, I'm totally on board with the, the way that Trek does canon and that Star Wars switched to this where they, like, the, the sort of secondary, like, books and comics and stuff aren't canon. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, I don't want to have to read every Star Trek novel ever written. Mm, yeah. No. Lord, no, yeah. No, thank you. Anyway, but we digress. So, okay. So science versus faith was one of the themes that we were sold on. Um, And another one was uh, family. Mm -hmm. So we also have... Now, this one, I think, makes sense, at least. Yes, absolutely. This one is. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So we have another uh, quote from Kurtzman. Uh, Brian, you want to read that for us? Sure. They're more a family than they've ever been. They were very, very close in season two, but now all they have is each other. Their families are 930 years in the past. It will be very interesting to see the consequences of the choice they made. So they were very, very close in season two, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Very, very close. They were in the first Uh, half. (laughs) Apparently. Well, even in the first half, it was a little manufactured at times, but, you know, like the whole... uh, 
I mean, the one in the first half, the one that stands out is, of course, this thing with Burnham and Saru, where suddenly yeah. they're like, so, yeah, BFFs. Yeah, yeah, they're they're BFFs, and and the brother sister relationship that that we were told that they kind of had since season one, or actually, really, we were told that they had that back in the Shenzhou, right? And so we never really saw it though until they sort of forced it. So. And, and and I gotta say, this is something where they need to. I like the. Uh, great that burnham is the main character they need to decide what the emotional part of her relationships are that they're going to explore because so apparently she's buddy buddies with saru and she's also brothers with spock and she's also got a relationship with her adopted parents and then they also throw her biological mother in there and she's also in love with ash tyler and it's Mm -hmm. like pick a lane her sister tilly don't forget oh oh oh, okay there we go so, so they need they need to pick one or two, and and then make that the emotional core. But they can't. She can't have the most meaningful relationship in the world with sixteen different people. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, Great that's right. Point. I, mean, I mean, we 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 can keep going down the list too, because there's her like there's her pseudo mother in in Evil Georgia, which is ridiculous. Oh yeah, I forgot right. about that. Oh my god, you know. Right. And then there's, there's her like there's her father slash mentor and Pike for this season kind of mm-hmm. thing too, and it's like okay. Wow, you get a lot of people that you're suddenly very close to yeah. all, mm-hmm. all at once. And I think that yeah. that might do a disservice to her character evolution as well, because yeah. her yeah, I think so. her evolution I thought was all over the map. Like there was no um, evolutionary arc for Burnham as a character in this no. season. I mean, no. somewhat I guess. Like there's things she learned, and you know, pieces of her life are more put together but in terms of like who she was at the beginning of the season and who she became i guess the biggest thing is like there's the reconnection with her mother um and they followed that arc i thought actually kind of nicely but other than that like who she is to all these other people you know the relationship with Giorgio was very confusing like all of a sudden Giorgio was turned like nice i guess and they were like friends <laughs> yeah. and, like holding hands yeah. And like all these, so all these other things <laughs> that like she was up and down and up and down and like super emotional and like, you know, just like her emotional maturity didn't seem to progress. No. And that's one thing that really kind of um, stands in contrast to season one is season one was all about her kind of finding herself again in a good way for the most part. Sure. Like, like a, a redemption. Season one. Yeah. Right. And it, and it mostly worked in season one. She had a she should have been a little had to claw her way up a little harder, I think, in season one. But other than that, I think it worked pretty well. And so then they were just like, "Oh, she's done. Here you go. She's now this like basically this static character that's liked by everyone, and we're good for season two. You know, they're just like, "Oh, she's good." And like, no, it doesn't just like end. You know, your yeah. your life doesn't just like become static, especially when you're coming back from something important like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, the impression I got from even from the premiere episode this season is that they were obviously concerned that she's not exactly the most popular character on her own show. She's not. So they were trying. So they were trying very hard to yeah make her as likable as possible. So yeah, they stripped away a lot of the stuff that you saw in season one in an effort to make people embrace her more. Which is actually unfortunate because she was on a good arc to becoming a more likable person already you know they, they didn't need to like kind of just pick a point and sort of drop a pin in it and be like okay well she's likable now move on you know that's yeah. it like yeah it's unfortunate well also because i i liked her complexity 
And she yes. she lost that. And I really liked it. I felt like, I mean, Sonequa Martin-Green being the actress that she is, you could see it all playing in her face and all these scenes and you could feel the complexity without having to be told it was there all the time. But then right. this season, mm. she was just, she just was who she was. And that was it. We were, we'd arrived. Yeah. And that's too bad. Well, that goes back to what we've said before, is that, the, that they don't really quite have a handle on who Michael Burnham is. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Okay, so my solution to this is that the main character of this show shouldn't be Michael Burnham. It should be Tilly. <laughs> yeah, I've actually right. seen people say that. That's I've not actually, a bad this, idea. Yeah. This show yeah. should be the first year Tilly is a cadet, the second year she's a junior officer, the third year maybe she's a department head, and then the fourth year she's in the command training program. That that right. that's what uh, following her career, the most charismatic person on the on the ship with a very clear defined arc based on rank from season to yeah. season. I think that would work really well and people would enjoy it. Yeah, I think so. Well, and that goes back to, of course, this has gone out the window, but that goes back to one of Brian Fuller's original things where he was like, oh, this is supposed to be more of a lower decks feel. So that's right. how perfect would that be is to follow yeah. Tilly as she literally like ascends through sure. the ranks. Right? And, and I, I like the idea of having a main character who's not the captain. It's the first time they've done it. I think that's smart. But when she's yeah. the first officer, that's not really that different than being the captain. I, well, I see, and you just made a mistake because yeah. we all did. She's actually the second officer. Oh, okay, because Saru. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. Because Saru's of Saru. First that's but, right. Sorry. But that's it. But but no, but that points to the one of the problems is like, that's it, though. She really should. I mean, honestly, she probably should be. And that's what she used to be. So they, they can't even like really put her in her place, so to speak, like sort of in rank order. Like she keeps shuffling around and like moving you know, sort of usurping Saru. Yeah, and if, the, if the, that's so true that at the end of the season, they couldn't go so far as to name Saru captain. Right, exactly. Even though he's they, clearly, they chain of command wise, it's clearly going to be him. But I just feel like, I don't know, am I the only one totally not feeling that? Which part? That, that Saru will be captain? Yeah. Well, there's certainly, I think they're leaving it open because I'm, I'm still interested. I think they think they're going to be really clever about establishing someone in the new season, but we'll see. I, oh, I, speaking I, of captains, speaking of captains, sorry, I just got to intervene really quick. Yes. Don't forget, there's still somebody sitting on Vulcan waiting to take him yeah. to oh, Discovery. Yes. Whoever <laughs> that poor, is. This poor guy is just doing paperwork <laughs> waiting around. Holy crap. <laughs> Studying logic, just sitting there. <laughs> I mean, would think Sark have, and Amanda would have like bought him along, you know. Well, he'll have more visit, time you know. to meditate on his Vulcan knee pillows, you guys. It'll be fine. I, I guess so. Just <laughs> take him on a picnic or something. <laughs> I mean, the poor other... guys looking at his watch, going, "Jeez, are these people ever going to show up?" Or <laughs> just, what? just still looking at the sky sadly. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> the other, the other thing about her as first officer is from the minute—I mean, as not first officer—is from the minute Pike showed up, she acted like his first officer, and he treated her yes. like his first officer, and he had briefings Absolutely. with her yep. without Saru all the time. Yeah. All the time. Mm, good yeah. point. Yeah. So, so I feel exoner. I feel exonerated for my mistake. Well, I love your Tilly idea. That's it. That's idea, my point. Actually. I think it's a good mistake. I think the Tilly idea is a great one, and I also think yeah. just quickly, like the lower decks idea that I know was you know talked about early on. We all know that there's that idea would work the way that Jared suggested it. Actually, it's a great yep. idea. Um, yeah, it is. But 
with the structure that we have, the reason it doesn't work is because, you know, we've been saying for two seasons, well, where is the chief engineer? And why are you having all these yep. briefings about everything without the chief medical officer and the chief engineer? And that, you yep. know, it's 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 Star Trek. It's an issue. We're supposed to see the person in charge and they're just completely absent. Yeah, Which is I've, weird because yeah, they have totally. such a well-defined, like, extended uh, crew base, yep. right? Yep. Yeah. I mean, honestly, at this point, if they don't just make Reno the chief engineer in the future, like, I think I'm going to flip a table. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems like it's going that way, right? They, be- they I mean, better. I mean, this yeah. is this is just silly. Like, they have a good actress who can just kind of pop in and out because we don't have right. to see the chief engineer all the time. That's fine. But, right. like, just name her that and, like, let's move on, please. You know? Yeah. Agreed. So, And we still don't technically know who the CMO is. I mean, the CFO. C- C- Whoa, jeez. Chief, Ma- yeah, CMO, yeah, Chief Financial Officer. I don't know the Goodness. Chief Financial these... Officer of the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the CFOs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Col- yeah. Culver is Culver is back now, right? So, but he never no, was. He, yeah, so he's not CMO. The... Oh, that's true. And, yeah. and and they still won't commit to Doctor Pollard being the CMO either. So that's what's funny is they won't do it, and it's like, well, just name one of them for gosh sake. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's have them, you know, sit it... in on meetings and let's do this, you know. Yeah. It can't be Pollard because I still can't get past Saru saying that he was dying and her basically saying, okay. And she just flips <laughs> little 180 and walks she didn't away. Even yeah, okay. Fight. She just said, okay. I, I, yeah, I still, like, oh, okay, I still can't dying. get over Captain Pike and, and Michael Burnham <laughs> yeah. having a conversation yeah. while like putting pressure on someone's wound or something and then just being covered yes. in blood while having a conversation totally normally. And just walking away else. and wiping it on their pants. Yeah, and then, like, yes, oh, and then gross, wiping gross. it on their pants. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, gross. I just walked off. Yeah. Like, legit blood. Uh, yes, yes. That's that was the, so. that, can I nominate that for most awkward scene in all of Star Trek Discovery? Wow. It's got some good there competition. There might be more. Yeah, I was going to say, there might be more. Yeah. <laughs> Lori. I got a few in mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we've gotten way off topic. But, but that yeah. said, I'd love to see Culber as the chief medical officer, and I'd love to see more scenes of him just being the doctor doing doctor stuff. That would be great. Yes. Because yes, so far, goodness. I think we've had one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, this season, I think we got maybe two, yeah, out of him. Yeah, I think. Just being a medical officer. Yeah. So I'm wondering if we want to talk to, you know, we, we started talking about the family theme um and then then diverged a bit but i wonder too if we want to talk about some of the goals that the showrunners clearly had um from the beginning of the season because we know now that they wanted to get discovery into the future from the beginning Mm um this is the whole idea of having a clean slate getting them out of this you know well-defined period of time in Trek history that they felt like they could they weren't boxed in so much and they could write more of their own stories they would also satisfy the sort of glaring inconsistencies in terms of technology and aesthetic Mm. compared to the era that they're supposed to be set in Um, so that that was one thing and then the other thing that they they told us overtly at the start of the season was to to um, merge I'm trying to remember what the exact wording they used but basically to merge canon you know, merge, sync up, sync with. up with, that's what sync it is, up. sync up with canon um, and explain the inconsistencies that fans have been complaining about in season one. Um, they were promising, you know, over and over again, we're going to sync up with canon. That's like our goal for this season. So from the sort of um, 
behind the scenes, you know, real life perspective, I feel like the, those were the two goals that the showrunners and the writers they, wanted to achieve. I would say there's a third that's kind of mixed in there, okay. and all of it, which is which is the checklist of things that worked in season one versus things that didn't work in season one, and you can watch them start checking things off, like. What are what, yeah. what's the deal with Saru's ganglia? Check. What about the holographic <laughs> communications? Oh, check. we'll throw in a line here. Check. Like yeah. th- you could just see them check off certain things that they weren't, mm. you know, they didn't know. They thought people didn't like. Also, there's there's oh absolutely there. there's a little really? of that in there too. There's I think a that lot goes with, of damage repair that goes with done. fixing too. Yeah, that's sort of mm-hmm. like they thought they needed to fix it. Oh yeah. So, uh, yeah. No how question. well do we think they did? Well, which part? Because we just sort of talked about a few sub components there. Well, any of it. Uh, I think they it's kind of they, a mixed bag. Yeah, I think they way overcorrected on Saru. I don't think he needed to lose his gangly entirely. I think he just needed to pick what it really does <laughs> and stick with it. Because mm. he was interesting as a character that way. He was interesting that he was a guy who was constantly fighting uh, as basically a sense of anxiety all the time. You know what I mean? Like a sense of danger. In, in my opinion, though, it was a bit of a liability for him being in a leadership position. And I've yeah. voiced this opinion before, True. and yeah. I still feel very strongly about it, that after his actions in um, the episode where they go to Pavo, the yeah. planet, and they, there's that spire yeah. thing, and then he meets the Pavoans, and they, like... We, Relieve we, him of we, the feeling. Yeah, and we yeah. sort of think that maybe they're, like, hypnotizing him. That's why he literally tries to kill Michael, like, chases her down through the Donkey forest. Kicker. And, like, tries to yeah. murder uh-huh. her. And then at the end yeah. of the episode, he said... You know, he's like, I'm so sorry. And she's like, it's like, it's okay. I forgive you. You know, it wasn't you. And he's like, no, it was me. That's the problem. So. Well, and actually that's a, that's the biggest problem is what you're describing is him post Vaharai anyway. That's what's scary either way. It's pretty exactly. Scary. Well, that's a good point yeah. actually. Yeah. But I, See? yeah, I don't know. Okay. That's a good point. So I don't know. Yeah. I think, I don't know. I think they could wait, explain it away by saying that, you know, he has more time now to, to understand the emotions of this and to like mm-hmm. figure this out. So th- this more natural transition, maybe he could overcome sure. that. But w- when he said, you know, that's, this is who I am. I've always felt that was sort of a liability for him ever being a leader. Cause if, if you're yes. literally like, I'm not under control on my, under my own volition, I would murder my subordinate officer. Like <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's not okay. And so I think that was no, a no. part of, you know, maybe that was part I, of that fix. I don't know if that's what they I, had in mind. I, I don't think he would pass the Kobayashi Maru with that psychological profile. (laughs) (laughs) That's problematic. It's problematic. Well, I also think they wouldn't have felt they had to do that if they had actually thought through all of the ideas they had about his species. So when you create a species, it's world building and you have to actually create the whole idea. And I just feel like from the beginning with him with the ganglia, when I was always confused about is it like a physical thing that ha- like does it know there's sometimes mm-hmm. that they came out when he didn't know there was danger sometimes yes. it was a reaction of him so I felt like that was a little inconsistent and then when we went to his I mean from the short trek and then we went to his planet with him it's still like it still wasn't completely there were still so many little holes that didn't really make sense that I, I honestly felt like I think they just didn't decide that part about him right so then they just went oh screw it they all drop off and we'll just never mention it again you know what i mean well now he has quills and we never got like we the quills didn't come back either i want some quills, yeah and really like man if you threaten saru are you gonna get quilled that's the other (laughs) thing 
Right. Does he control those quills? I want to know more about the I mean, quills. Does he stick yeah. them back in afterwards if they shoot out at somebody? Like, what I'm, happens? I'm assuming he, he grows more. I assume yeah. so. Because yeah, that's porcupines, too, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Don't quill me, bro. Yeah. So if they wanted to cure, me, fix the Saru ability watch, they did not. In fact, they added many no. more Saru abilities this season. Yes. Yeah. He speaks 90 languages. 94. 94, right? Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Get it right, Lori. Sorry. Call yourself a fan. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so what are, I guess, um, what, Matt, you were saying there's like a lot wrapped up in that when I said how well you think they did all that. So what are some of the other points? Well, I mean, there's mentioned? the huge, there's the huge sort of elephant in the room, which is like they, th- they somehow think what they did explains away everything else, like about discovery like why there's a spore drive that nobody uses again why there's this do they really think they explain the spore drive yeah i think they they think they they think think they did fixed everything they think swearing people to secrecy means it's all good it's all fine let's just you know dust our hands off and like let's just never talk about it again everybody's gonna pinky swear not to ever talk about this again yeah even though that's not how any of this works no. no, no, of course not. Yeah, no, and there's so many. Th- I mean, besides the fact that everybody knew about the spore drive, Discovery wasn't the only ship with the spore drive mm-hmm. because well, the other two. one was destroyed, yeah. right? And, and, Michael and Burnham was a. F- oh. Sorry, Michael Burnham was a famous mutineer that mm-hmm. people knew who yeah. she was she could, even when they didn't yeah. know her. They she knew was who she well was. Known. So there are yeah. a lot of issues with never speaking of it again. <laughs> Well, including, um, do they promise uh, that Harry Mudd and the Klingons are never going to mention it to anyone? Right. Right. None- exactly. Yeah. You, you can't enforce that. Like, no. No, none of it makes sense. No, it'd be like saying, like, pick a celebrity. It'd be like saying, like, let's all pretend that Tom Cruise doesn't exist. Like, that's not. <laughs> can we? You can never watch a Mission Impossible ever you again. You'll never speak of it under penalty yeah. of treason. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, also yeah. the Kelpians can never speak of it again. We got a lot of people right. In the there. Kelpians can never. Yeah. Speak the Klingons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. No. I yeah. don't understand how they think that that fixes it. It's. It. It doesn't. It doesn't. I think that's just they. They. <laughs> to, to be honest, I'm, no, no, I'm, I'm not trying to be. Why is that sort of thing? I, I don't know what they would do to fix it. That's right, because there is no good option. Because, like, we've talked about this before. If they made this like a pocket universe, kind of like yeah. all the yesterday's I thought that Enterprise, was a great idea. But if they do that, it it, it it shits on the first two seasons and people who liked it and the progress that they made to kind of do a better job tying things together. I don't know with, that it does because this it, it effect, reverts all this that, I think, basically. does worse. Because in the, if that's true, then like if this is a pocket universe, then everything that's happened still has happened, and what it's been in service of is getting these people that we know and love to a place where we can follow their like ongoing adventures. It's like their prologue, you know. To the and but with what they've done now is they've effectively said all this happened, except no one's ever allowed to talk about it anymore, and they're this like this secret that. Like, it makes no difference to the rest of history. Like, anything that they've done will not have rippling effects on the rest of time in the universe because no one's ever allowed to talk about it again. So True. it's like saying yeah. anything they've ever done, it doesn't matter. True. So I think maybe this is the appropriate point to, to drop in a Jean-Luc Picard quote about truth and maybe how it's very anti-Starfleet to 
do such cover-ups. It's totally inconsistent with anything else we know about Starfleet and the Federation, really, yeah. at this point. Yes, let's play that clip, shall we? The first duty of every Starfleet officer is to the truth, whether it's scientific truth or historical truth or personal truth. It is the guiding principle on which Starfleet is based. Now, if you can't find it within yourself to stand up and tell the truth about what happened, you don't deserve to wear that uniform. No, that's a, I think like I feel like everyone would agree that that's such an encapsulating quote of what is Starfleet, what Starfleet is about. Mm. Right. And so I think key in that quote is, well, so from the 24th century, certainly um, the historical truth is being covered up from, you know, like, really, we're going to just cover up what happened in the mid 23rd century now. We're just going to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And some of the rationale was kind of dodgy from Spock. Doesn't Spock basically say that, you know, in order to protect everything, we can't let people know that this ever happened? Right. Why? They, which they, they pull which out makes no sense. Yeah, makes yeah they pull sense. out a regulation from, from Trials and Tribulations, from the temporal, you know, cops basically that show up on, those, on DS9 and demand to know what happened when they go back to but, the TOS but to me. Yeah. But to me, then you're leaving yourself open for something like control happening again because you're not letting people be aware that this is a potential problem. Yeah. That's right. That's it's right. the first lesson of history. Like the reason we learn history yeah. is so that we don't repeat big, terrible mistakes. Right. That's right. right. And, and, and then, so that like the, 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 like the rationale, just nothing about it makes sense. No, not at all. And they actually could have come up with some sort of discovery, exploded because of the spore drive, and they could have actually come up with something where they didn't have to say, let's never speak of it again. Well, that that's right. I mean, even just the, right, the discovery exploding because of the spore drive, that was fine. Because, hey, if you want to, like, basically have people write off the spore technology because it's yep. really dangerous, that works. Just tell them to write it, they'll write it off. And then, but it doesn't, then you don't even need to go any further, right? Everyone just goes, oh yeah, it's a failed experiment. Two ships, like, catastrophically, you know, failed. Okay. So you're saying having them lie and like, but have a more more sensible lie? Right. They were were lying anyway, because they said it was destroyed. And here's the other thing. I think one of the things they kept saying, we're going to explain why Spock never talks about her. And I mean, before the series started... I wrote an editorial for Trek movie about why that wasn't <laughs> weird at all. Because no, he didn't tell Kirk no who his parents were until they were literally standing in front of Kirk. And Kirk said, do you want to exactly. go see your parents? And he said, these are my parents. He never tells right. anybody about anything. And in fact, many of the right. characters throughout Star Trek history have not mentioned their siblings, parents, whatever. But it's especially in Spock's character to not talk about those things. Right. This whole thing was a non-issue. They didn't even need to try to come up with a reason. No, they couldn't. They didn't have to mention it at all. Right. So I don't know. I, is it because they're they're also online reading the blogs and social media and they're reading oh, they're totally. reading fans yeah. going, oh, why doesn't Spock ever change? I think so. And it's like, oh my God. Okay. They needed to go and cloister so. themselves away and just write good Star Trek. Like stop listening to people. Stop trying to... Come, go do interviews to explain to to shield yourself from bad reaction. Like if you wrote something and you shot it and it's about to air, like it's done. Your hand, yeah. you <laughs> washed yeah. your hands of it. Don't try to do some kind of damage control because that's not your job. It, you have to understand though, it's not just the show that's that's reading this stuff. It's also CBS executives. Yeah, but the CBS and executives they, they see this stuff and they panic. All right, and then they want to know. 
Yeah, um, I mean, I think that's a that's a good point. Is I think we have to remember that like the heyday of like the Bourbon era did not have nearly as many network suits reading reading notes. They one that was one of the amazing things about well both TNG and Deep Space Nine especially that mm-hmm. because of being syndicated and because of the influence that they had, they essentially had they had no network. They had right. they had Berman and they had some Paramount TV executives, and that was it. They didn't have like a third layer of people. They didn't have all these suits involved. It was actually a really amazing time, if, sort of in reflection when you when you hear about this era. It's amazing to think that how 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 little they actually got you know in, interfered with. And then you took if the second you go to the UPN era, there's now another network involved and they want to make sure that this happens and that happens. And you can hear, you know, people like Brandon Braga say suddenly they got notes from three different places and from like executives that they'd never heard of before. You know, it's just like new people out of the woodwork that now work for UPN and this person works for this division and this, you know, and it's just like, whoa. And so that's, and that's, that's kind of the current era. That's the same kind of thing that's going on now, which is people, which is why Voyager did an episode where seven of nine got in a wrestling match with Dwayne, the rock Johnson. Exactly right. Right. Because they, UPN also had, also had wrestling and gosh, darn it. There should be some synergy there. Shouldn't there be, you know? And it was like, okay. And that's the, that's the kind of world that they're, living in now is there's you know there's notes from the big wigs at all access there's notes from like yeah. cbs you know studios there's notes from you know it's just like you can imagine that somebody you know some executive gets concerned and they go yeah. oh mm-hmm. crap yeah. well we better make this absolutely clear you know x better be clear oh we heard lots of griping about why right. well then you better do something about it right. you know it's like okay marketing research says this is a problem right, right. exactly Yep. So we need to do this, this, and this. You got to remember something too: that Discovery is the lead, the main cog of all access. Yeah, yeah, that's true. If it doesn't work, it, it seriously puts yeah. a, a bad dent in the streaming yeah. service itself. Yeah. So, so, so there's, there, there's, there's even a, more there are enormous pressure. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. more pressures on it. Yeah. But the other thing is, if you're trying to if you're trying to gauge the fan reaction, I mean, for every fan with a strong opinion, there's another fan with the exact opposite opinion that they express just as yeah. strongly. Right. So at yeah. some point, you have to let people. You have to decide. Okay, this is our creative choice that we've made, and stick with it. And you can you can sure. still have shows like After Track, Cuff Cuff, where you talk about <laughs> where you talk about making the show and all the details of the show, and you can use social media yeah. and use all that to dig into the stuff because Star Trek fans love it, right? It's love so that. rich. Right. We could get into it forever. We could talk about it endlessly. Yeah, and in but, fact, the Making Discovery series on YouTube does a really good job of that. Yeah, all that stuff is so fascinating for people. But if you go by opinions, I mean, every opinion I have, I've seen the exact opposite opinion and 20 people backing up what I say. And then 20 people, I mean, I don't get, right. I don't have those arguments with people. I just have them in my head. But <laughs> every point of view is, is completely yeah. represented out there. So it's hard to know which is the right one. Right. I mean, had, I don't know right. how you would know. Right. That's you, why. Well, you wouldn't. And, and that's why I think you don't spend time going and making excuses for what's just aired there's no need to do that just this is what you've put out into the world and stand by it so i get the whole thing yeah, of getting I, notes I think... from executives and not shaping the narrative but i can't imagine an executive is being like you need to go on after track and explain why colber is dead 
I mean, maybe no, they the, did, but well, that, seems that, that, that was, was a big that one. That one, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah they, I think that was a whole different thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. That one's a different scenario. That had a different sure. issue because it brought up so many other things and it was the kill your gaze trope and all this. You know, yeah. it brought up so many other things and 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 groups that aren't represented and then they finally put them in and then they get rid of them. And so they wanted to reassure people that he was coming back. But I think, you know, again, that decision had to, wasn't thought through from no, the beginning. They in that way. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. clearly. Yeah. They clearly did not see that coming. Which is silly because they should have, quite frankly. It's it's pretty obvious that people would be pissed about that. I, I mean, it's it's upsetting. Like, that's that's upsetting that they did that. So, I actually remember just when I was when I first read that in one of the scripts at work that day. And then I just kept flipping, 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 flipping through the pages, thinking like, that at when the end he, he was going to be fine. And then I was like, ah, ah, and I ran around trying to get everybody else to catch up to where I was. Because I was like, oh, my, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine, yeah. <laughs> and then they emailed us, and we were like, oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of pressure on them to correct all sorts of things. Burnham and Spock just being one thing out of many. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so many. It's such a small thing, though. Well, and like we kind of talked about last week a bit, um, that I had the thought of them using the holograms as sort of a... Mm-hmm code name for all of the inconsistencies with canon because they yes. kept bringing it up overtly it was like almost fourth wall breaking they almost like looked directly down the lens and be like hey remember those holograms i mean all the <laughs> canon stuff remember that canon yeah. the holograms we're getting rid of those uh, everything's gonna wink. be okay <laughs> yeah yeah i think you're on to something there okay <laughs> all right so we've talked a lot about the themes uh, of the show, what they were, what they were set up to be, what they ultimately became, um, and sort of the goals from the side of the showrunners, and writers for what they wanted the show to become um, itself. So let's let's talk a bit about like what you know what we think the actual theme uh, or the most important points of season two were, um, and I think we can look through the lens of of the multitude of plot arcs. Um, <laughs> so many, so so many, many plot yeah. arcs. Uh, we actually we made a list here in our show notes of all the different plot arcs that were these, and these are big over season long overarching things. We came up with eleven it's different yeah. plot arcs, and and this is a fourteen episode <laughs> season. <laughs> right, so in fourteen right. episodes, they had eleven <laughs> major plot arcs. This includes the red bursts, um, Tilly in the with the mycelial network, Culber, the Klingons. Saru's thing, Spock, Section 31, The Red Angel, Pike, and Control. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a That's lot. That's a lot of stuff. So, so yeah, I just kind of, what did you, I, I'm curious to know what you guys thought was, you know, what, what, what was this season about and which of these things was most important kind of a thing from that general perspective. I don't think the season ended up being about much of anything. Ooh, yeah, so. that's that's the problem, and I and I think it was different. In fact, what the season was about in the beginning was definitely not what it was about by the end. I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what I mean. Like, yeah. yeah, it's like once they pivoted, they kind of just went into like action adventure mode, and that's where it stayed for the rest of the season. Some of the arcs worked, right, guys? I mean, yeah, I liked a lot of the arcs. The smaller ones, I think. I, like what? 
Like I, I love the whole Tilly story at the beginning. Like I just yeah, really I thought that liked was that whole the mycelial network thing and, and her thinking she was hallucinating and all those scenes were very powerful for me. But I also liked that she was, again, it was she was in the command training program and she was also going through this other experience and it was freaking her out and it was challenging her whole view of herself as being able to go in the command training program. Mm. And I felt like the other stories, you know, the other characters were part of that and we got some of mm-hmm. her relationship with Saru. So that that stuff kind of worked and her friendship with Stamets and the way she and Michael related I really loved so all of that stuff worked really well for me and even having the new captain come in and they're all adjusting I mean at the beginning he speaks so much about how they've been traumatized and Mm -hmm. how he's trying to smooth everything out so all of that worked for me it was just later when it didn't work so well for me Hmm. I mean, you know, the Section 31 stuff for me was problematic. I never really understood what the red bursts, how they got there. Like, oh, we had these red bursts in seven different places. And then I didn't really get a sense of why it was, what it really was. Like, what's a burst? Why was it so urgent? Right. (laughs) Yeah. Why is it urgent? What's a burst? What are you talking about? And it was just something It, it didn't make sense because, like, why were all seven there, like, in existence, and then they weren't, and then you found them one by one again. Right. And like, why not, couldn't they pinpoint you know, their location? Like, if, you, if like, the, you know, the, the Federation has outposts all over the place in three dimensions. So if you could see a burst at more than one of those places, you can triangulate where it came from. They well, said they were unscannable. They have... And and yet Spock made could, a little map of them all. Right, and yep. we could also his, see them know, in with our eyes. So yeah. they were putting it's out weird. like visible radiation. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I mean that just you know I don't know I guess that's a thing you can hand wave away if you want. But the the fact that they appeared and then disappeared doesn't make any sense. And then also the fact that that some of them were super far away and it like light years away, like i.e. it would take years mm-hmm. for light to travel that distance. Yes. And so it was inconsistent with the times that they said it goes back to they need a science consultant. Come on, guys. Yeah. And, and then in addition to that science, it's still it doesn't sound dramatic. Like I saw seven bursts like uh, it's just I found through the first half of the season. I kept completely forgetting about them because it just didn't sound like a big deal. It was hard to make it sound like a big deal. We right, saw because they didn't bursts. really do yeah. anything. Yeah. They right. Didn't really pose any problems or anything really okay right and, and this and this goes to what uh is one of the, the i guess the biggest problem i had which is the pointlessly large scope i mean when it yes. starts off by saying this could be the end of all sentient life in the galaxy it's like okay that's a pretty big deal um <laughs> but we don't know why they're being threatened really no, not at all and, no. and we don't we don't see any like malice from the whoever's doing it i mean like the thing and i go to go back to talking about the avengers the thing that made the avengers infinity work so well is that the thanos character is the protagonist of that movie he's not just the bad guy in the background he's the bad guy right or or he's the main character and so we see everything about why he wants to do this and they've been building up to it for literally 20 movies but here with this we just had a huge war where millions of people died. We take a breath and it's like, okay, but now billions of people are going to die or trillions. <laughs> and it's like, oh, it's like they're it, making it senselessly large to imbue it with a false sense of magnitude. Yes, false magnitude. I agree. Yeah. 100% agree. Right. 
Right. And in this particular case, we all know it's not going to happen because not. the rest of Star yeah. Trek has to happen. Yeah. Exactly. Plus, that's never right. going to happen. So. They're never going to destroy all sentient life in no. the galaxy ever. No. Yeah. Well, or or the time they did was in All Good Things, which was the capstone to everything that had come before the previous seven years. And so the one time that Picard had to save the whole galaxy, it was after it was his his bon voyage, uh, pun intended, from being. A captain of this ship for seven years, right? Mm. He basically right. earned the right to save the galaxy at that point, yeah, to the point where mean. Q even says, You've saved humanity once again. Once is that again. just what is it for you? Another day at the office? You'll be asking about your fish next. Almost as though that's <laughs> two of the best hours of Star Trek ever. And so right. they're 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 trying to yeah, do something good. by saying this is so this is so amazing to make us feel something that they haven't earned, right? Like if if the if the main thing of this show were just trying to save a village full of Kelpians and they do it well, then that's enough to make us feel invested, right? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, and and hundred percent. I hundred percent agree. Yep. See, I guess that's what's so frustrating about this is there's there's pieces of all these eleven that did work and were at least interesting, but as a whole, like it starts to fall apart. You know, well, and you can't like, service any one of these completely as a season long no, arc when you have so many. That's right. Right, you have so many. Like I really liked I really liked um Dr. Burnham, like Michael's mom. The the actress did a really good job. I really yeah. liked when she like I liked her as an actress. I liked what was going on there. But again, like that's at this point we're just, you know, towards the sort of middle like end of the season and it's just it's just one more thing that's like super complicated. Yes. Yeah, so overly like, complicated. Yeah, absolutely it's, agree. It's like, whoa, like that's crazy. And there's very cool parts to it. And I like, like I said, I like the acting with a lot of it. But then it was just like, wow, this just complicated the hell out of this. Like, even more. and it comes out of nowhere. Yeah, out of nowhere. And I think it just speaks to the fact yeah. that I don't think that that's who they. I don't think that's who they had in mind originally. It just is my guess. You know, this goes back to things pivoting and changing throughout the season. I'm not really sure that's what they were intending to do. I mean, we don't no, know. I think but it, it feels very much like a lot of this was figured out on the fly. It's like, oh, crap, yeah, we've yeah. already shot the first or written, you know, the first couple of episodes. And so we have to figure out how to work that instead of like coming out. You know, it makes sense when you lose showrunners halfway through that, you know, you would have storyboarded like in vague terms the whole season. And right, then built it up did. around yeah. then peppered in the foreshadowing the other events. And instead it's like, oh, well, we've been given this this journey that's already half over and we have to finish it. Yeah. And we know it ends with them jumping in the future. And that's like, yes. You know, yeah, that too. So they're constrained on both ends. And yeah. then, yeah, exactly. Both ends, they know. But even then it's yeah. like, maybe you shouldn't have, maybe you should have just made it as simple as possible. Because it's such a tall right. order to begin with. Don't complicate it, it by having all these threads that you have to fulfill. So, right. Yeah. And I think it's a it's a shame too because a lot of these arcs like worked in miniature. So I think yes. like I, the the mom thing. I actually the episode with her. Oh, it was a very frustrating episode. I think in a lot of ways because it added a lot of complexity that felt confusing. So I was yes. I felt confused at the end of it, but the emotional arc between Burnham and her mother, I thought actually they did well. I, yes, was again, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I, I yeah. liked and, it. And, yeah, and, and that and that actress is very easy to like, mm -hmm. especially those of us who mm -hmm. are fans of The Wire. And so I always remember watching those and thinking, oh, this is what the whole season should be about is about the mom and the daughter. Yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. 
again, if you want to make it about family, that's that's something you know intense, right? Yeah, it's like yep. really small, but like really good. Right? Especially since like, we've spending we spent the last year thinking that this woman had been killed and possibly eaten by Klingons. Yeah, right. Well, that's the thing right. is her description in season one of that event. Like she said, yes. they, they took their time it's, with my mom. Pretty like it definitive. was very brutal and very mm-hmm. definitive. And so that to me was, mm. they just created more inconsistencies yeah, they, within their own show. Content. Like nothing yeah. to do with canon with the rest of the show at all. Like this, yep. the franchise, yep. but specifically within their own. And they never really kind of explained that one away. Which, no, there's no explanation. Yeah. yeah. So that kind of ruined that stuff. Like again, the, it's very real. The moments between the characters are so real. But you have to just live in that moment with them if you want right. to appreciate it, which I want to do. Right. I mean, my goal is to enjoy the show as much as possible. Of course. You would rather yeah, enjoy th- it than nitpick it to death at the end of the season. Totally. Yeah, I mean, this this show, I, I, I feel this way about most of the episodes. Is they're, they're all like enjoyable sort of the first time you watch it. But if you do a second watch mm-hmm. or even just kind of like stop and reflect on most of them, things start to gnaw you like you start to notice you know strange you know strange things inconsistencies like things start to feel really paper thin a lot of the time like the first time you watch it it's fine you know and then you kind of go okay well now that i'm not getting swept up in you know these sort of small moments like well wait how does that connect well wait what does that mean like well wait what happened on Kaminar? They're just going to leave them there now? You know, like, well, wait, you know, and you're just like... <laughs> Kaminar. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Kaminar. Yeah. Oh, oh Kaminar. that's a whole other yeah. issue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so. I mean, and again, I, I would still say some of them still work in that way, but they're definitely, like, especially that second half of the season where you watch it again and you just just feel more empty inside it's just kind of yeah. sad and, and I didn't yeah, feel I like, it, you know, mm-hmm. I, I do watch them more than once and... Yeah. definitely found that especially like the finale was the biggest problem for me from the whole the whole season but those the again the first the bunch at the beginning which i did a rewatch of were actually still really good and really fun to watch yeah can we have some praise for the new eden terrelysium episode yeah i thought it was i, really yeah, I thought was it good. was great i really yeah. really liked it i love and i mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. i think i probably said this on the podcast afterwards like it was like a self-contained, cool sci-fi story. Yeah, it felt like and Star Trek. it felt Trek. like Star Trek. Mm. Yeah, I loved it. I was totally into it. They gave Awoshikun some stuff to do. Like, they mm-hmm. were mm-hmm. Hit, taking all the boxes that, that I had cared about. And, and I'm going to repeat what I said about that. The box that they ticked that I liked the most is something that bugged me from Insurrection, is that we're on this primitive planet where people have to work to stay alive. And when he sees the guys, he looks at their hands and says, you haven't worked a day in your life. Who are you? Right. Right. Uh, Because if you didn't have technology, you would have to do more stuff than you do that. Now we just let technology do for us. Yeah. And so Mm. unlike the Baku who have no technology, (laughs) perfectly manicured, but still perfectly (laughs) manicured. They have makeup. Their hair looks great. There's no poop. Everything's very artisanal. There's, there's no yeah. crap anywhere. It's all artisanal. I mean, their clothes <laughs> yeah. should be covered in crap, and their fingernails should be disgusting, right? right. Instead, right. anyway, that that's enough about that. But I uh, that was an atten- a piece of attention to detail that I thought was great. It was, yeah, it's, it's, it, right. So I think the only thing that's sort of the major arc to talk about, just to touch on, is the the one that took prominence in the back half, which is like whatever the hell went on with control. <laughs> oh. Like, oh, yeah. Again, it's it's this thing where like they 
it's kind of a cool idea. They also think, I'm sure they think it's very timely because of all this BS of AI, you know, sort of in the pop culture right now. It's timely if where... you don't know anything about AI. Well, that's right. <laughs> and, if you, and if you've never seen The Terminator. Right, yeah. yeah. You have to yeah, never yeah. seen, like, T2 or anything. Any Terminator um, original idea, yeah. Okay, so the... But, the, the oh, sorry, sorry, go ahead. And, no, go ahead, sorry. So the part of that that I enjoyed was not what was in it, but what wasn't in it. Because, and we, we've talked about this, I was so afraid that they were going to make that about the Borg. It's like, yes. yeah, this is so yeah. glad they did I was not. so afraid of that. And they didn't, so... Uh, that Yay. well done well Praise done for not, for not doing making that something terrible terrible terrible, terrible yeah. mistake yeah agreed yeah. agreed yeah. so this goes back to like you know the whole if they just focus right because like control again just kind of like the red burst what is what is its deal and what are its limitations like what what really did it you know what really would it gain truly from the sphere data because it's already the, pretty darn sentient Right, exactly. The way it was behaving when it, when it, you know, at least at least since it took up Leland, um, it's gotten, you know, a lot of what it needed. Obviously, given the way it behaves, right. And so it's like, what was, you know, what was really the 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 threat here? Like, what was the real definition of it? You know, like where where does it end? And yeah, uh, you like know, he's already unbeatable at this point because you've said oh, we're going to have to resort to trying to either destroy the data or send it off into the future because he's because we can't beat him. So it's like, well, right. then he's already won. He's already powerful enough to completely destroy, you know, Starfleet. They can't, they can't stop him. He's unstoppable at that point, which is also questionable, like, when they, you know, after they go into the so future. Then, then somehow they stop Then him, somehow they're just like, oh, yeah, weird. we, like, cleaned up yeah. the rest of what you guys started. So it's none of none of that. There's there's so many reasons in which it doesn't work, and it's it's in such a clear like it's so obvious to me that it doesn't work that it's shocking that they yeah. think it did. I mean, at its most fundamental, there's things like, hey, so control isn't a distributed system. It sure as shit should have been, which means you can't get rid of it. Like Leland isn't the sole focus point, right? Right. Like, hi, no, that's not how this works. Like. For example, you could even with the Borg, the Borg Queen is essentially a figurehead. You could kill the Borg Queen, and like the Borg would still probably function. Yeah, right? like they, they would they would elect a new like they would find a new queen probably, and they would just go on. Yeah, like ostensibly the queen we see in Voyager is not the same queen from First Contact. Which right. she couldn't be. You killed. She couldn't be right, but it does. But again, does that does right? So like, but it doesn't matter. Like they found another queen or whatever, and like so again, like Leland should in theory. We already have stuff in the cloud and highly distributed today in the 21st century. Why mm. the hell isn't control a highly distributed, you know, uh, machine learning, you know, algorithm? Mm. Oh, yeah, it, it is supposed to be. He's but... the Night King. Ooh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's awesome. But Sorry. but so, yeah, it just doesn't. It just doesn't except make he's sense, only though. OK. So he's the Night King insofar as he is the single point of failure when it's convenient and he is not when right. it is convenient for him not to be he is when right. they need to have him be like oh he's the thing we need to kill him and then he's not when we've killed him but we still need to jump into the future because right. we didn't really beat control so we still need to go but 
We yeah. just killed him. Yeah, but no, right now it's there's other parts. It's still dangerous. Yeah. Of control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it doesn't it, the, it, this we again, we talked about this last episode and and Laura, you mentioned it again. It's this thing about breaking their own canon. Right. You know, they've set up rules of their mm. universe and they do not follow the rules. And that's even mm. even well, within one showrunner. So that's not even all due to this that's right. within one episode. Right. Right. right, And that goes back to like, again, my goodness, people just like stop and like plan this out. We, we just talked about like Saru should have been planned out. Like what a Kelpian is, you know, should have been planned out. This is the same thing. Like actually maybe figure out what an, what an AI does, what it would, what it's, you know, again, science advisor, what is an AI, you know, which <laughs> so is sort of, which is sort of a, which is sort of a BS term for machine learning at this point anyway. But anyway, what does an AI look like today, right? What does that mean today? And get a good concept of what the 21st century, like, idea means. And then, like, go talk to someone about, like, what they think that the future of that is looks like. Go talk to some experts about it. And then write this character, you know, this, this plot point, like, this character. Just for gosh sakes like try you know and try to have something that's well defined and then it would come off really i think it come off well and they could even have like good reasons about how to destroy it they could come up with better reasons about why they needed to go to the future i mean it would still it could still work out they could still find good reasons to do what they needed to do but it would just be like you know consistent and consistent with current technology and what we know about computer science, you know, it would just, it would, it would, it, it could have worked. Yeah. They could have Those done Those things it. are important. The details are important. Yeah. It just needed care, you know, some care and some planning for it. And that's what is kind of killer about this whole season is you can see that throughout the whole season where they, it's, it's pretty ad hoc at times, you know, they're just like, oh, whatever. Okay. This. Yeah. Right. And then forget that they already covered that few episodes ago of why you wouldn't need that and they sometimes Mm -hmm. forgot about the technology they already own like so many times yeah i Mm -hmm. kept wanting to remind them that they have a transporter there were so many times i'm like you have one it's right there or r2d2s yes (laughs) i love those. i loved you guys talking about that (laughs) (laughs) oh my god that was such a glaring consistency but if you and if you don't want to use it, then just say it's broken. Like come up with something. Right, right. They do right. all the time. That's right. There's interference. There, there are ways to handle it. Is. it. But right. you know, it is it interferometric radiation. There it is. Thank exactly. you, Kayla. Right. <laughs> the but it's the still, Voyager particle. It's still Star Trek, and so Star Trek has these things, and that's something that we love about it, and we know these things. So we know there's right. certain things like you can't beam people up when the shields are up. You know, there's like a hundred right. different. Yeah, that's why there's canon. Because we're familiar right. in this universe well, that we know, and, and like, and like, look, in the twenty third century, the transporters broke a lot. If you go by TOS, like Scotty was always patching it. Oh transport. yeah. So 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 that's perfectly legitimate to say, like, holy crap, like, uh, you know, that last hit blew out the transporter circuits. Okay, there you go. Like, we all know that and accept that already. So, just write it in. You know what I mean, or whatever. Like. You could, that, there's, there's a reason. Yeah, there's a reason. It's in canon already. We know this. Yeah. So, it's fine. So, all right. Sort of looking, we've touched a bit on a few of the, um, some of our favorite plot arcs. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are a lot of them, but I, I, I feel like we're sort of all in agreement that there is no one coherent theme to this season. No, unfortunately. No. I would agree. Unfortunately, there's not. If you had to, to name one. <laughs> What would it be? Family. 
<laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah I guess that's no, the closest No, I mean, really, that's the with. only thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. the only thing I can think yeah, of. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Is that because they, I mean, they really did, as a family, the Discovery crew did bond more. We actually got to see them bond more this, yeah. this season. That is true. Sometimes it was a little forced, but that is true. We did actually see them pull together. Yeah, it was nice. And it, and it was nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was believable that they all joined Michael in the end. Yeah, I thought so. Yep, I yeah. agree. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, what do we have to look forward to next season? Ooh. We don't know much. Lots yeah. of unknown. Yeah. It will not. It, it will. I think it's important to point out. I think Jared will be very happy that I'm pointing out that it will not be <laughs> a show about Captain Pike on the Enterprise. Right. Yeah. We talked about that last time, but yes, it's very confusing the way they ended the season. Very confusing. Yeah. I know one person who watched it a couple of days ago and he was texting me. He goes, wait a second. Did Discovery end? Yeah, that's, no, that's right. That's the way it looks. That's what it looked like. Yeah. I mean, and then they, again, gave interviews afterwards saying where Discovery ended up. And I keep thinking, why didn't you just put that in for 30 seconds? Yeah. All they needed to do was show 30 seconds of showing yep. them arrive, and it would have been absolutely fine. And yeah. it would have been very but clear they, where the show was going. Yeah. yeah, but they clearly had no idea what they were going to find on the other side of that wormhole when they shot it. So. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. They, it's, it's, they, it's clear they honestly, said we're... Oh, Sorry, go, go they, just, they could have actually just shown them emerging somewhere, and we didn't even That's have it. to they see just, exactly where it was. They just show them emerging. But That's just right. let's they just see show them, them emerging. to make it clear yeah. that this is the journey we are now about to go on. Right. Yeah, you mean it's not the voyages of the Starship Enterprise? Yeah. Apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> Though lots of fans would like that. So that makes it yeah. even more kind of cruel is so it many doesn't people it? like Pike. Yep. Yeah. And, and like last week, you were complaining how there wasn't enough number one. It's like if they have this huge cast on Discovery they're trying to service, there was too much number one because then that's just one other character distracting from these other ones. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That was... it, it is weird to cast Rebecca Romaine, though, and then barely use her. It's very weird. She feel very shoehorned in, though. Any of the scenes she was in, it was like, why is she here? Yep. It's a shame. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and she almost she barely interacted with any of them too. Like, if you're going to bring in new yeah. characters, and and actually Spock for that matter, didn't interact with enough people. Like, I no, where is my true. Spock Tilly scene? I'm still waiting for that. But, oh yeah, you know that what would have been heck? great. Spock, Michael, and Tilly would've. together would have been amazing. But so as soon as they added these three new characters, one was barely there. One they chased for two thirds of the season before they found him. <laughs> but talked about him all yes. the time. Yes. And one yes. was, and one, you know, he was great, and everyone loved him. But it just pushed all the other characters off to the side. Mm-hmm. And look, every series of Star Trek, they have episodes where certain characters don't appear, and sometimes that's a budget thing sometimes it's a story thing but you can't just forget about them <laughs> and right, I, yeah. I felt like you know by the end it was like Stamets and Tilly were just barely and Saru Gone. even almost like yeah, barely Saru there barely sh- there he became fascinating the characters. newly emboldened Saru became like a shrinking violet it's pretty funny actually when you yeah. think about it it's like yeah. there he goes he's in the background somewhere mm-hmm. yeah and Tilly was done a total disservice oh. they didn't so it was too bad that Tilly especially since she had a strong beginning of the season, like was put way in the background and barely given anything. Yeah, and, same with Stamets. Stamets yeah. too, in a big Stamets way. Stamets too. just looked sad the entire time. Yeah, it was such a bummer. Yeah. Yeah, and I didn't. By the way, I did not like the way they wrapped up his storyline with Culber. No, very hasty. Like they, 
Yeah, it's all like you don't you don't even see what made Colbert change his mind about coming back to the discovery right. and, and renewing their relationship. Right. It's just all of a sudden he changes his mind off camera. <laughs> yeah, off camera, and it's just like well, you had all this build up all season, and it gets resolved in like this quick thing in the middle of a battle. Yes. Right, and they actually could have done it differently because, I mean, the whole point was he came, like Stamets was injured and then he shows up. And if he had come mm-hmm. actually to treat people, Stamets as well as others, and then had to make a last-minute decision, am I going to stay and yeah. treat these people or am I going to go back, that would have been so much more dramatic and set us up for all this really interesting character work next season. Absolutely, yeah. But yeah. having him say, I've decided and it's fine. And it, this was also another one where, you know, Wilson Cruz talked a lot about all the stuff his character was going to go through, which sounded really fascinating and interesting. And they created this whole new situation we'd never heard of before, which was just mm-hmm. as fascinating. But then they didn't they didn't give it any airtime. It got very little airtime. Yeah. Well, it was that reminds yeah. me so much of remember how Ash Tyler's character was supposed to be about someone with PTSD. Yes. Yeah. In season and one. then yeah. it turned out to not be that at all. And it was kind of awful that they had set it up to be like that. It was a similar thing. It's like they're setting up, oh, Wilson's like, we're going to explore all these hard emotions he's going to have and everything. Nope. Yeah. Which would have been a, it's a very Star Trek story. Like, oh my God, I can't imagine. Oh, sure. You know, like it was, and yeah. and Tyler too. Like, again, the science of it didn't make much sense. And I didn't care. I was right there with them. <laughs> Take me along on this ride. <laughs> but then they, yeah, they just didn't, um, with Culber, they just didn't follow through on what that experience must have been like for him. Like, let's dig into that. It's kind of fascinating. And dig into it while he's at work. Let him be the medical yes. officer dealing with this. Not, here's a separate yeah. character scene. By, by the way, how traumatic would it have been to be the medical officer trying to save people's lives and watching people die? And, like, you actually know what that feels like. You actually, yeah. like, experience that. Talk about PTSD, like because yeah. that—that's actually PTSD too. He just went through yep. through Good a massively point, traumatic thing, and like yep. he's supposed to be a healer, and you can just you can you can imagine like really great character moments. And Wilson Cruz, of course, could totally pull it off. That like you could see like him trying to like fix you know be trying to heal someone, and it's not working, and they're going to die, mm-hmm. and he's not yep. okay with it because he can mm-hmm. relive this like incident himself. Yeah, yeah. that would have been. There's really all good. these moments. Yeah, there's all these moments. And they have all these great actors that could do it. Well, that's the other thing is it brings up my biggest issue in the shift that I saw in season two overall from from season one and the first half of season two. These characters that I love and the way that they developed them, which I really enjoyed, happened during the stories and while they were doing other things. And then I felt that as we moved into maybe the second third of season two Mm -hmm. or the second half, their character stuff they separated so all of a sudden okay here's a little thing about the characters and they're not doing anything they're just in a room talking about it and then the story happens somewhere else and all that stuff should be happening during those scenes during those stories while Culber's the doctor while Stamets is trying to fix something don't stop and have a conversation have a conversation of two things at once I'm talking about the science I'm fixing this thing and I have this crazy personal thing going on and they're all crashing into each other because that's that's life and that's Star Trek. That's and real it life. This would have worked yeah. so much yeah. better. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Great point. Agreed. Agreed. But they have too many plot threads they have to service all the time. And yeah. so hopefully for for the show's sake, like next season, I, I I would think this show would be better served if it had less episodes. Like eight to ten episodes, I think, is is the sweet spot for the Well, then they also have to would... really contain themselves, you know? Yeah, I mean? that, well, that, it would force them to. Yeah, it would, it would. Well, and their big question for next season is, are they going to become 
are they always trying to find their way home? Are they not trying to find their way home? I mean, that's a big question. Well, yeah, it's going yeah. to affect whatever story they try to tell. I, like, they I would said, love it well, if they went episodic. Yeah, but. if if you go with the if you go by the interviews yeah. with the with the showrunners, they say that they've that their point of view is they've made this decision and they're not, they're not going to try to, try to go back. back. They, there's no way to get yeah. back. Yeah, that, that's where they are now. Right. This is not a Voyager. Right. Yeah, this is not a Voyager scenario. Right. But so if, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what kind of sense that makes that once they get there, they just go, no, I guess we won't try. Like, it doesn't, no. it doesn't well, make any especially, sense. Well, especially what doesn't make any sense is, as far as we know, Georgia went with them, and then she's supposed to have her own show after season three. Right. So I don't even understand that. You know, like, there's there's things they need to work out. Like, Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I hope they do it well. I really do. I hope so. I really <laughs> do. Because, you know, we've, we've been, we've picked a lot of stuff, but, like, as a whole, like, it, a season two felt good in in many ways. Like I liked much of it sort of from a high level, just kind of watching it perspective. You know what I mean? Like I didn't, mm-hmm. didn't hate it in, by any means. It's just the second you start to drill down, you go, huh? Well, what about this? Huh? That doesn't quite hold up, you know, but they, they had some good stuff. They were kind of going in a good direction. Like we said, their, their characters, their character work has always been great. So I don't want it because trying to end this on a better note, you know, like we've always liked their, especially the original characters. That's something that they've always, we've, I think we've always liked is the characters that they introduced have always been interesting. Like Stamets has always been, Chantilly has always been interesting. Saru, of course, has always been interesting. You know, like these are interesting characters with really great actors. So it would just be awesome to see them get good, tight stories to Show them off, you know? They like, deserve to it. exploit them. They deserve it. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well. So that's that, I think. Yeah. Right? I think with that, like, off okay. to season three, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which starts filming in July. All right. Coming right. up. And speaking of coming up, this is the last of our Discovery podcasts. Yep. Thank goodness. Until season three. Yeah. It's time it's for a, a break. Time. Yeah. We'll be happy to yeah. talk about other Trek topics. Yes, definitely. So we will be back in two weeks with our normal mix of news and N- news topical and shows news. and <laughs> that you can use. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for uh, thanks for coming with us this season. Yeah, and we yes, will see you in a couple of weeks. Yep. Yeah. All right. See you next time, see guys. You next time. Bye. Bye. Bye, everybody. <laughs>